Today and every day, Planned Parenthood is committed to ensuring that everyone has the information and resources they need to make their own decisions about their bodies, including abortion care. Lawmakers who oppose abortion are attacking Planned Parenthood, which means affordable, high-quality, basic health care for more than 2 million people is at stake. The right to control your body and get the health care everyone needs has been stolen. And now politicians in nearly every state have introduced bills that would block people from getting the sexual and reproductive care they need. Planned Parenthood believes everyone deserves health care. It's a human right. And that's why they fight every day to push for common sense policies that protect your right to control your own body and against policies that interfere with decisions between patients and their doctors. Planned Parenthood needs your support now. Now more than ever. With supporters like you, you can help reclaim your rights and protect and expand access to abortion care. Visit PlannedParenthood.org future. That's PlannedParenthood.org future. Did you know that it's Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month? Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAIP-owned brands right now like Cardin, Kaja, Emilia George, and hey, Meve. Plus, you can help support college access and student success when you donate online or round up in store to APIA scholars. APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander owned brands at Macy's.com or in store. A podcast where me and Nicole Byer tries to figure out how I'm still single, even though you could push me off a cliff and say, see you later, bitch. You're flying. <laughs> my, <laughs> my guest today is wow. an, <laughs> my guest today is an actor from Gossip Girl and the hit Netflix series, which is my absolute favorite show, You. He hosts a new podcast called Pod Crushed, where he reads your middle school stories. I am so excited. Ooh, I'm so excited to introduce you to Penn Badgley. What a, what a welcome. That's really amazing. <laughs> Pen. I just want to listen to you now. Really? Like, now that I'm now that I'm a host of a podcast, <laughs> which I'm not here just to shamelessly plug, I'm really excited to be on the show. But I appreciate what it is to host, and you know, I don't want to scare off would be listeners. I'm not used to hosting yet, <laughs> and I and listening to you now, I'm just like, damn, she's. You've got it. You know, you've really got it. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> it. I just have a lot of energy and I'm constantly exhausted. <laughs> you know, that might be uh, an answer to the question. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> no, Nicole, you're single because you're always sleeping. You're just so tired. And if you're awake, you're always screaming. Pen, <laughs> boring question. Your name, Pen. Yeah. Is this your government name? A name you have chosen? It is. It is. It is all of these things. It's. Oh. I've chosen it over time. It's my government name. It's also such a ready nickname that um, I think people struggle to to come up with something new. It's just my name. It's uh, from a tennis ball. Hmm. That is a true story. 
my dad was bouncing a pen tennis ball. My mom said something along the lines of, I think he's about the size of that tennis ball right now. They agreed on my name. The joke is that's uh, the only thing they did ever agree on. <laughs> uh, you know, so they have similar troubles as you, I think, you know. <laughs> Fair. I mean, that's funny. He's like the size of a tennis ball. Well, let's name him after the tennis ball. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's simple. It's simple. It's simple. It's fun. I wish my name was like, like my mom was eating a strawberry and was like, I think she's the size of a strawberry. Call her strawberry. Strawberry buyer. Oh, <laughs> I wish that was my name. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why it was. I, yeah. I, it's funny because my dad is not that much of a tennis player. I mean, I suppose then maybe, but it, it makes it sound like we're a different kind of family, to be honest. Mm-hmm. A very active family. Yeah, yeah, it's not really Just the case. At these courts. Penn, I have a query. So, mm-hmm. you, was this an audition or was this an offer? How did you come into your life? <laughs> yeah, right. Um it 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 was uh it was a little bit of both in the sense that they pursued me um and but it wasn't a straight up offer. I did have like a I did have a soft read because I have you know something along the lines of tenure at Warner Brothers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I read with Greg and, and Sarah, the co creators, mm-hmm. and they let me know in a few hours after they you know they made the offer and and they were they were persistent beforehand as well. And so you know it it, it was an interesting thing where I chose to do it more out of the conversations I had with them than, mm-hmm. than, than, than what the material itself was screaming at me. Cause the material was screaming at me and it was screaming so loudly and intensely that I wasn't, <laughs> I was like, I don't know if I want to play this guy for five years and uh-huh. cut to me five years later. I mean, yeah, I love Joe, which is an insane thing to say out loud. Yeah, well, he murders. No, but I mean, look, you're not alone and it's, uh, it's definitely a thing. It's definitely a thing. Okay, I think I can explain the thing. So, like, he murders, but then he's like, but I did it out of, like, love, right? And then I'm like, he did do it out of love. That's nice. (laughs) Yeah, it is. I mean, on on one level, yeah, I think it's that. I think it's that he actually mimics and models and seems to be the uh, image of love that we're accustomed to seeing. But we're we're only accustomed to seeing that in in movies and TV. Mm -hmm. And I mean... I actually think we, I don't know. I mean, we live in such a media saturated age. It's like the things we see on TV and movies, it's hard to, to, to not fantasize about your own life in so many moments. Like this could be better if it was like the things that I was seeing, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? So he's, he's a, he's a, he's a representation, I guess. But then of course you encounter him in real life and <sighs> I don't know. Well, he's not a real character, so I'm not really worried about that one. Here's a question. The choice of Joe, I will stop talking about you in a second. I Eventually, promise. Eventually, it's fine. Hey, I listen, we got an hour. Right? I mean, <laughs> uh, the choice to have Joe wear a baseball cap as a disguise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who's, whose choice was whose that? Whose choice was that? It's very funny to me. You know, that's a good question. I think it must be from the books, although I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, so much of the DNA of, of the show, not all of it, but but much of it comes from the books. I don't recall if that is not in the book uh it wouldn't be so iconic in the book because the book is just such a different experience mm-hmm. 
uh, so whatever, whatever, if it, if it was in the book, I mean, the choice to, the choice to have me wear it as frequently as I do. And, you know, look, the truth is when you're shooting something, uh, when you're filming something, you just have to get, it's, I don't know. I mean, it's just things, things are going to look, uh, I find myself often when we're filming a scene, I, it, I am comically close to the people I am, (laughs) stalking uh-huh. and I, and, and I look comically conspicuous uh-huh. in a, in like a windbreaker and a hat, Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's really funny to me. I like, it's one yeah. of the things I like the most. Cause I'm like in real life, Joe would be caught so quickly. Cause Joe's not very good at hiding. No. Yeah. Evidently he's not. No, uh, it's yeah. Yeah. Although, you know, I still find myself, um, there's a version of, of me living my life where, where I go very unnoticed and, and I, and I even find it hard to speak up for myself. And so I find that I can kind of disappear a little bit like that. And so, you know, it is, it's, it's like, it's like, it, it can seem silly, but I don't know. I mean, I think if you want I think if I, I'm not trying to encourage people to try, but I do think that if you <laughs> wanted to, I do think if you really felt compelled to follow someone and you just had the strange lapse of, uh, well, conscience, but also like, I don't know, insecurity, you just kind of go for it. And then, you know, in a big city, you could probably find that you follow somebody for a while. You say that, but I'm a true cartoon. If the person I was following me turned around, I'd be like, ah, mm, mm," like look around and be like, not me. I wasn't. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, we're all, we're all, we're all, we're all different. Um, Here's another question. So Joe has like an internal monologue. I have an internal monologue. Do you, Penn, have an internal monologue? Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, definitely. I, I think the point is like we all have some version of an internal some monologue. Just, don't. just whose do we want to hear though? You know, because you really think people don't? I mean, isn't what is thinking then? What is thinking? I asked my old roommate, I was like, when you go to the bathroom, does your brain go, hmm, I better go to the bathroom and I should do it now because if I wait, that won't be good. He was like, no, I just go to the bathroom and I feel like I have to go to the bathroom. I was like, you don't like think about it first? And like, <laughs> oh, I see what you mean. So, 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 so you mean internal, internal monologue, like, uh, like, uh, like overthinking everything and wondering about the consequences of yeah. like, whether I do it right now or five minutes from uh-huh. now. Oh man. Yeah. No, I, I have that a lot of times, but I think I noticed that that's when I've either had too much caffeine mm. or I'm hungry or I'm tired. Mm. What is it? Halt, hungry, angry, late tired what's the is that what it is That's, that comes from i didn't even halt. know that there was an acronym for it, it it's basically like stop try stop oh if you if, if you're coming to an argument basically yes. i think it's like it's like halt stop if you're hungry angry what is the l oh okay so mars my producer hungry angry lonely tired lonely tired so that oh. describes uh what percentage of the human population at any given point in time wow yeah. Mine is probably tired. I'm tired a lot. Yeah. Oof. I mean, if we have to record this podcast on the weekends, yeah, we're, we're both tired. Yeah, Let's be real. Yeah, we, we, we know why. We know why. <laughs> um, okay. Penn, I have a question. When did you start acting? 
Per- professionally, actually, when I was 12, which is which has to do with why I'm interested in this period of life, which is what my podcast is about. Mm-hmm. Uh, po- uh, pod crushed. Uh, <laughs> available on all platforms. <laughs> what day does but it come do, out? Why, Tell why, the people. Um, it, it, it's, it's already out. You can listen to it. Um, yeah, it's been out for like a month or so. Uh, we, we, we can, we can, we can get to that or I can talk about it now by talking about when I started acting. Um, I mean, I was, so I was 12 when I moved to LA and became professional. And, uh, I think if you ask anybody what was going on in your life when you were 12, that's usually, it makes you stop and think. So, so I'll ask you that in a moment. Mm -hmm. I'll try to answer a little bit more of your question. Um, so I, st- I started doing theater when I was about like eight or nine because my, my family had moved from the east to the west coast mm-hmm. from Virginia to Washington State, very different places. Uh, we, we, didn't, we lived kind of in the middle of nowhere and I wasn't enrolled in a school for the first several months because it was uh, the end of that school year going into summer. So I had no social outlet and no neighbors really. Mm-hmm. Uh, like our driveway was two tracks up the mountain, really like that kind of vibe. Oh. And, uh, and actually probably part of it, I, my cat who I loved dearly, uh, disappeared after three days oh, no. of having moved there is probably, probably killed by coyotes. That's what we always figured. Oh. Um, uh, certainly not alive now. We know that mm. much. <laughs> be very old. Yeah. That would be a mystical cat. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and, and I was just, I was lonely. I was one of the things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was lonely. Uh, and I think my mom out of guilt just was like really racking her brain, trying to think of things for me to do. And, uh, I don't remember this part so well, but as she tells it that she saw an ad in the paper, she, that must've been what it was because I mean, I, I wasn't, how else would we have known about anything? It was a, it was an ad to, to audition for the music man for like a local community theater. It it, it was actually in a church playhouse, like 50 miles away from where we lived. Mm -hmm. I went and auditioned, uh, got it. And at that opening night, I, you know, I mean, I really do remember just the feeling and wanting to do it for the rest of my life. And, you know, I, a lot of it, I don't think is even, it's performing, sure, but it's community. It's, it's, it's the experience. I mean, you know what it's like when you're working on a job, you, the whole, um, crew, cast and crew, everybody is, uh, just, or, you know, you can have your own feelings about it, but you are all there for a common goal. You know, you are all there working towards something. And, and you actually, especially when I was that age doing, doing community theater, you really get all types, like all types, Mm -hmm. all, all walks of life, all ages, all backgrounds. So, um, I just liked that, you know, it wasn't like just, it wasn't just hanging out with a bunch of other 12 year olds cause we're in the same grade or whatever, you know? And, and frankly, from that point on, I, I did not have much of an academic, uh, a consistent academic path. I tested out early and I was working full time by the time I was 15. So, oh. so, you know, so really that, that period of 12 to 15 was like transitioning into by the time I was 15, that was the first time I was like a lead on a show. Um, and for Warner brothers actually, and you know, that's what I do now. And so that's, uh, that's how it all started. That's nice. It's nice that you like found it early and then you were like, yeah, I'll keep doing this. This is good. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things about it because again, then the thing that the, the reason I think about this period of life, one of the reasons I think about this time in life, like around about 11 to 15, you know, what we in America call middle school is like, this is a formative period of life. And for me, I had some formative experiences that were just, I mean, you know, Hollywood is Hollywood. 
And uh, I was technically a child actor. And yeah, it's just, you know, it's not not the best of environments. So, so while I now can appreciate being very, in some ways, like a veteran, you know, like for, for certainly for my age, um, been doing it for what, I guess I've been professional for like 23 years that I can appreciate that. And you're right. There's something very nice about that. There, there's something very streamlined and focused about it. I've always been focusing on this craft as long as I can remember. And that is cool, you know? And regardless of talent, I have, I have, a, I have a, a, a certain, um, proficiency, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Whereas just like being on a set, being in front of a camera, doing what I do, especially for Joe. I mean, Joe, I stand in front of a camera and silently emote <laughs> so just all the time. So much. So often I go to work. I do not have any lines. I don't have very any good lines. Well, it's because I'm proficient. It's because I've been doing this for so long. You know, like it's just <laughs> it's just standing in front of a camera, standing in front of a camera and 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 somehow like open opening up mm-hmm. like I know what it means in fact if the camera isn't rolling like I can't rehearse the same you know and I think it's really? probably a difference between between television and and theater or like film and television and theater mm-hmm. there's just something like I can't rehearse the same as when well you know I mean look if you were to do like a I don't know if you were to just kind of sketch out what you're gonna do when you introduce something on one of your shows, you know, it's not the same as when you're hitting record. It's just not the same. You are correct. You know? And so I have that to, to possibly an extreme degree. I mean, especially on a show where I have no lines most of the time, I mean, my, uh, in rehearsal, I almost have to, um, that's my time to, 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 to sort of, um, just make jokes the entire time. That's kind of what I do. And I, and, and, you know, sometimes I think there, I, I, I hope that I'm respectful to the other actors and know, know the line, like, no, not, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, and when we really need to rehearse, I, I, I want us to rehearse. It's just that in television, you don't have that much time anyway. But, mm-hmm. but the, the point is, is that I'm just very used to like, just, I know what it f- is to stand in front of a camera and somehow like, really try to open up emotionally mm-hmm. and then and then and then the the joke is i think actually for many actors is that it's like you you can become far better at doing that in front of a camera than you can in front of another human being and i and i don't try to live my life that way but real emotional health is um i mean that's the that's the chimera that's the sort of holy grail we're all looking for right and and so that actually i i honestly want to know like how serious is the premise of your show because i said a few things early on that i hope you didn't take the wrong way i'm making a joke based on your joke but like what like is, is what's what's uh the premise of this show, truly just yeah, trying to figure out why I'm still single. And I mean, one of the reasons is I am not good at opening up to people when I'm not working because mm, yeah. people are like, you're very vulnerable on your podcast. Da, 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 da. But I went on a couple of dates with this guy. And at one point he, I think it was like three or four. He looked at me and he was like, I don't really actually know anything about you. I know that mm. you're good at joking. I know that you're really funny, but like, how did you grow up? And I was like, what? Why do you want to know this? He's like, because I want to get to know you. And I was like, mm. oh, okay. And in that moment, I was like, oh, okay. I guess I got to like, <laughs> like bring down walls if I do want to be with someone because 
when you date somebody, hopefully it's not just a surface relationship. It's a deeper connection. Um, And I have a real problem with letting people in because then I'm like, what if they go away? So then there's like abandonment issues. So like, I kind of know why she's single, but you know, it's fun to make it funny. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, I, of course we all, yeah, we all, I think it's interesting with stuff like that because we often know you're able, often you're able to name what's wrong, but Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean you can change it. Yes. And that's, that's a profound thing. You know what I mean? That's like, that is, I am interested in that. And that is kind of why, you know, I guess podcasts are places where people can a little bit more informally explore the things they're interested in. And I, and I guess a lot of you, at the end of the day, what we care about most are relationships, Mm -hmm. you know? I mean, and so I'm just, do you think, do you think, I mean, if you're, when we talk about bringing down walls, that's a phrase that people use a lot. Do you, I mean, I guess it's kind of, it feels a little bit like a dumb question to say like, well, why do they come up? When do they come up? But I do think that it's, I have this kind of theory along with my co-hosts of our show that it's, there's certain formative things that start happening when you're around about 12, 12, 13, 14, Mm -hmm. you know? And it's like, if the wall was built before then, that is a time where you could work on not putting any more bricks on the wall. Mm -hmm. And maybe the rest of your life, you can spend time taking down a shorter wall, a smaller wall, you know, or it's a time where the world can start telling you things that you really have to, uh, buy and embody. And then you start building up the walls like even more, you know what I mean? Does Mm -hmm. that make sense? It does make sense. And I would say that probably in middle school, that's when I started like building walls. I went to, I lived in like an all white town, my middle school, I think it was just me and my sister. Maybe there was four other black kids and I was zitty and chubby. I was fat and just truly not at my best. Um, so I think I just didn't want to be rejected. So, or when I was rejected, my feelings would get hurt. So then I'd be like, well, then I'm not going to try and I'll just be funny. And maybe that's how yeah. I'll find somebody. So then I like worked on loving myself and like, I do love myself, but then the thought of somebody loving me is still, uh, that feels, uh, improbable. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, well, do do you feel like, um, do you feel, when you say love, do you think of love as being unconditional? In, a perfect world, I think love is unconditional, but I think in practice and in reality, it is conditional. It and, because yeah, yeah. you can't be an asshole and still expect somebody to love you. You can't keep right. hurting someone's feelings or pushing their boundaries and then expect them to love you. It's like you kind of have to, what is it? Uh, compromise. And yeah. in compromise, I think love can grow. I think. But again, I don't know. No, but I think so. I, no, I, th- I think uh, no, I, I think that's true. I think that's true. I mean, I don't know. I look. I you know, I've been married for five years, which is I don't know. I don't know what that is. But I would say that my wife and I have we've been together for eight years, mm-hmm. and there's you know, I think, God, I mean, what it really takes to be in a relationship past a few years, because that's what you know. I mean, I feel like in my twenties my teens and twenties, it was just a, it was just a couple of really meaningful relationships that lasted for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. 
And, and then it was like, and I don't think I ever knew anybody who had something going beyond that, save for people who seemed, who seemed like maybe they were kind of stuck in something or, or then they did, they, they, they would get married. And frankly, when I was in my twenties, that just seemed kind of crazy. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, you know, I do think a huge part, so there's the personal stuff. Sure. And I don't know, that's what it is, but I think a huge part of people struggling in relationships, whether it's struggling to be in one or struggling to stay in one or struggling to get out of one that you should be out of or whatever it is like, is like, we honestly have seen so many friggin' love stories and heard so many love songs mm -hmm. that are all about courtship, basically slash, you know, the moment up until you really have to do quote unquote the work, you know? And then past that, all of our stories about breaking up, Mm -hmm. And it's bittersweet and it's like kind of, it feels good. You know, it's like, think of, think of all the, think of all the movies and the stories that we've seen where it's like, ah, love exists. Love is <laughs> the best feeling in the world. It's like, well, actually all we have is just like the, the sort of ramp up and the, and the breakdown. We don't ever really see a story about the thing itself. Yeah. Like what it takes to, to keep, you know, a relationship together. That is interesting because it's like chasing someone is like you have euphoria because you're like mm -hmm. lots of dopamines being expelled. And you're like, will I get them? Will they reject me? Will we come together? You get together. You have like a, a honeymoon phase where you're happy for a while. And then it's like, yeah. Then we cut to the breakup yeah. where it's like rage, hate, sadness. It's just like yeah. the height of emotions. And then extreme emotions. Yeah. I guess maybe it's because the middle is just like work <laughs> well it's it's not an easy story to tell i think yeah, yeah. And, it, and it lasts longer actually which is ironically what we want but it's not yeah mm -hmm. i i mean because i've spent as i said earlier like you know mo most of my conscious mature life like n before i was an adult but most of my you know basically since middle school i've been an actor playing like people in a relationship, basically, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, honestly, so I've thought about this a lot, you know, like to just thought about how, how it is that all of our love stories these days do or don't have an influence on us. And I, I, I mean, you know, some could accuse me of overthinking. Okay, fine, <laughs> fine. But, uh, but I, I think it's there. I think it's like, there's a, there's a role that, uh, that all this stuff that we watch us plays mm -hmm. and it's, um, I don't know. I mean, because I spend so much time doing it, I have to, you know, I mean, I, I, I guess I take it seriously and I really want to see, you know, what I like about my show you is that you kind of know the whole time that it's not trying to say that any of this is what you should be pursuing. Mm hmm. But ironically, it feels a lot like all the things that you see in other shows. It feels like you should be pursuing. <laughs> you know, it's like it's it's like it's like with just the asterisk, like oh, but he's a murderer, and this is actually all toxic. He, he kills. You know? it's yeah. not great. <laughs> Real quick, we gotta take a break. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. You know, there's always something that I really need to talk about. And thank God I have a podcast. But then there's stuff that I don't want to reveal publicly. So I talk to a therapist. And listen, we all carry around different stressors. 
big and small. And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get stuff off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists at any time for no additional cost. And I got to say, that's very important because the first person you meet might not be good for you. So even though it's work, you got to work to find someone who like is helpful and is good for you. So don't stick with someone just because you feel like you have to. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash date me today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash date me. Okay. Hey, did you know one in five Americans have learn a new language on their bucket list? If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste time on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned out in the real world. Babbel made it super easy for me to brush up on my Spanish before my vacation to Mexico. See how I said that? It's, it's better and it sounds like I speak Spanish. It just makes traveling better so you can like order food, ask for directions and flirt with the locals. Me encanta muchacho! <laughs> without having to consult language apps while on vacation. Here's a special limited time deal for my listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for my listeners at babbel.com slash date me. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash date me. Spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash date me. Rules and restrictions may apply. When you date or when you were dating, did you ever find that... Since you're an actor and since like you're pretty well known that people thought that maybe you would be different. Has anyone ever articulated that to you? Like, oh, you're way different than I thought you would be. Um, I have had. Well, t- t- yeah, I've had people articulate that to me, which I think has to end up being the case no matter who you are. Um, nobody's who you think they are. I think Madonna is exactly who I think she is. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so every exception <laughs> proves the rule. Um, uh, I, well, to be fair, I, you know, I didn't, I've, I've scarcely dated in my life. I'm not going to lie to you here. And I know that sounds a bit maybe absurd, but I, I, I've, I'm trying to think. So when I was a teenager, I had one really long relationship from, from like 15 to 19. Oh, okay. And then, uh, N- n- nothing uh until the next significant relationship which was my early 20s then basically i just had three relationships in my 20s that were very meaningful and then the third one was the person i married mm-hmm. and and to be honest i've had no i've been on i think you could you could you could call i've been on maybe two dates and i'm not i'm really not exaggerating really? here i yeah i i never engaged casually the way uh uh you know so many people do or think they need to and would imagine i a person in my position would 
Um, huh. I find, I mean, look, actually the premise that you're exploring and joking about and so many people are, are grappling with, like dating culture, I find dating culture to be um, really reductive. Mm-hmm. It always made me so anxious and so insecure. And then, you know, I'm so, so, but to get to your actual question, when I, uh, let's see, when I was 23-ish, 24-ish, I had probably like a date with a person Mm -hmm. and she clearly knew, I mean, knew who I was and stuff. But, you know, and we like, we, I think we, we only even met up to hang out in any capacity, like three or four times, Mm -hmm. maybe five. And, you know, in that we weren't able to go that deep. uh, I I just always found it so awkward, so incredibly awkward. And being famous did add to that because all like a, you know, every insecurity that someone has is just magnified by fame, frankly. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you have your moments where you're able to, your ego will have its moments where it will embrace everything and act a fool and be quote unquote cool. But really, most of the time, it just makes you insecure because all you can think about is how you don't live up to the expectation of what people mm-hmm. would think would have of you, you know? So, so I don't know what I would have, I honestly, up until I got married, I wondered when it was that I would feel more secure and stable in the dating culture that made me feel so insecure and mm-hmm. unstable. But then I just got married. So there we go. That's nice. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying it's the answer. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is just get married. Uh, you got to miss out on uh, apps, which is... I did entirely. Yeah. No, I, I. You know, frankly, when people talk about that, I'm like, you know... I'm really happy uh, about not having to deal with that. Yeah. Bless all of you. Yeah. It's awful. Dealing with that. It's truly the worst (laughs) because you like in the beginning, when I first started using apps, I would go back and forth talking to people and then meet them and then go, Oh my God, you're not as quick and as witty as you were in the texting, but it's like, Oh, you had a couple hours to come up with something to say back to me. Or it's like, oh, you look different, or you're like, oh man, your yeah. smell doesn't work with me and my nose. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's tough. I hate it. It's really awful. It, I I honestly can only imagine that when I have friends. I actually was sitting on uh, uh, after I'd recovered from COVID. I was I was staying at my aunt's place here in London, my aunt-in-law, um, and I was hanging out with um, her son, my cousin, two of my cousins my British cousins who mm-hmm. were like young men, like early thirties. And we Ooh. were, and, well, they're we were, and, and, and the, the, uh, as far as I'm aware, yeah. Tell them yeah, about they, me. Yeah. <laughs> I will. I will. I'll just link them to this episode. I'll be really <laughs> sly. <initially. laughs> um, and we were, we were, one of them was just discussing, uh, how do I even say this? He was, he was, so he had some form of a DM on this app. And he was, you know, mm-hmm. basically saying, oh, I just got this message from this person. And I, and I think we both were like, in our own way, kind of interested just to be a supportive mm-hmm. person in the room at that moment. But I don't know, you know, it's like, all I can do when, because, when, you know, these are two slightly younger men who were both very 
single or at least, yeah, that's what I, <laughs> yeah, I think they're both single. <laughs> and I mean, you know, I've been married for like five years in a relationship for eight. That's, that's a while. That's a different place mm-hmm. than single. And so, and so all I wanted to do was just break down like, oh man, all this stuff that you guys are worried about, not that it's not real, not that it's not legitimate, not that it's not valid, but it's such the opposite of what you need to be doing in a relationship of any kind that you want to be happy because you're having to sort of perform. You're having to like Mm -hmm. overcome all of these conventions who were created by whom, by the way, like what, what, what is the, you know, this like lowest common denominator standard that develops over time. You're like, listen, three dates or listen, three DMS or listen, you can't, you got to go to a coffee shop on the first one. That is wild. During the day. Who came up with all that shit? Basically who is it usually, but toxic men. I mean, Mm -hmm. honestly, I mean, honestly, I, isn't that who? Maybe not. Maybe, maybe. Hopefully, women are creating more to sort of protect themselves. I'm not sure, but because there are so many weird little rules where it's like, don't text them immediately. Yeah, right. Uh, to wait like, a couple you gotta days. hide your. You, you have to. You have to slow your roll to make sure what to basically do that thing where you act as though you aren't interested, so someone will be more interested. By the way, what is that? That's middle school. <laughs> that goes back. That goes back to the most adolescent it shit. It does go you know? very, very, very far back to being a child. And that doesn't sustain. It doesn't sustain a real relationship. Like, that's not what friendships are based on. It's not what, you know, I'm healthy friendships. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I, it's just to me, I, so I'm, I think years down the line, whereas in my early 20s, I actually lied straight up, by the way, just lied about my my dating sort of history mm-hmm. because I thought that people would think I was, you know, an alien for not really having <laughs> one. Uh, but now I feel kind of validated and vindicated. Like, yeah, that shit is crazy and kind of like dehumanizing because we didn't have, you know, feminist language wasn't, wasn't the norm mm-hmm. that, you know, it's kind of becoming a kind of a norm now, you know, like young men are more aware of a lot of this stuff. But back then, you know, even just 10, 15 years ago, it wasn't. And, and I, and frankly, yeah, just the things that are expected of a, of a, of a young man in particular in New York city in, in dating culture, like I tapped out, I tapped out <laughs> like, real this early. This is not for me. Yeah. It's not for me. I like that though. How did you meet your wife? Somewhat, uh, as they say, randomly, um, uh, a mutual friend w- was uh, one of the things was hungry and actually two of the things lonely, maybe even tired because mm-hmm. it was late. Uh, and and she was at uh, she was at this old meatball shop on Bedford Ave mm-hmm. in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Those who live there know it. I love meatball shop. <laughs> and uh, this friend, this mutual friend of ours, was was texting, I think as many people as she could to, to no longer be lonely, Mm -hmm. you know? I mean, not that she was struggling with loneliness. She was just sitting alone and was like, Hey, I want some friends to come meet me. Mm -hmm. And so that's what she did. I was one of them. I actually, I actually wanted to leave. (laughs) I, I, I was, I was, it was cold January. I was, uh, tired. I was sick. I was in the period of, I had bronchitis repeatedly. I was not in a position to be hanging out and having a drink, let alone dating, let alone, you know, so I, I was thought I was going home and just doing like a kind of a, like a, like a, a, a nice charitable friend stop. Like, Hey, and when I found out other people were coming, I was like, Oh great. I can leave. And then she told me, she told me, uh, 
oh, my friend Domino's coming. And I said the words, I said this, I said, I feel like I could fall in love with that person. And that's insane. I mean, it's a little insane, you know, it's actually, it, but, but that's what I said. And that's kind of what I felt. And then she came and I, and you know, we did have that moment of eye contact and she's a bit glowy. And I think she has this effect on a lot of people, not even in a romantic sense, but she's, she's very, you know, she's like a, I don't know, she's, there's something about her that, you know, you do kind of get that. So I didn't think it was maybe unique to me. I was actually, again, you know, I was not feeling up to the the Mm -hmm. whole dating culture element of it. In fact, here's the response that I would always have when I would meet somebody that I quote unquote liked. I would immediately just be like, well, it's not going to happen because, because, because of all of that dating shit. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. And it would give me deep pangs of insecurity and inadequacy and just, just like the beginning, actually the beginning of, of every serious relationship I've had is marked by, by like a heartache of, of, uh, of like woe and anxiety. But then, Mm -hmm. you know, I guess I get over that and then uh, can be great in a relationship, you know, but that's, yeah, that's, that's how, that's how it started. Where do you think the insecurities in dating come from with you or used to, used to come from with you? Yeah. Cause like, you know, you're a very handsome man. So like, yeah, what is it? Well, yeah, I, I, you know, pretty people get insecure. (sighs) <sighs> it's true <laughs> it's true i mean i honestly think it's 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 kind of like it's existential stuff it it does mm-hmm. i mean for me in particular i've trust me i've wondered what it was for for a long time and uh unturned every stone i could and i think there are some specifics that go back to childhood that i can understand you know a lot of that stuff has to do with kind of how you were raised mm-hmm. environments in the home for everybody as specific as it gets, it does go to some common universal thing, which is, I think like, you know, we talked earlier about uh, earlier about love being unconditional, but really not. I think that love in its nature is unconditional, but the way that it's usually expressed between people, even parents and children is quite conditional, Mm -hmm. you know, and that, and that I think is like the fear. So I was an only child. I have, I actually have a half sister who I do love, uh, and have like a a, a a good relationship with now, but we didn't grow up together because she's so much older than me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just think like isolation. I just think isolation was maybe part of it. I mean, that explains a lot. Whenever I have too much time alone with my thoughts, I'm like, oh boy, we're yeah, spiraling. Right. How How was the pandemic then for you? So the pandemic was uh, okay only because I had a roommate. I had a ah, roommate okay. and uh, his boyfriend moved in with us. So there was three of us. Uh, and then as soon as they were like, you could be outside. I was like, great. I'll start a, a, a roller skating gang where we'll meet once a week. I was just, I knew in my head that I like people. I need to be around people. Um, people either suck my energy or feed my energy and that's just Mm. who I am. So I just like made sure I saw people regularly enough to keep myself (laughs) healthy and sane. Yeah. Yeah. But if I lived alone during the pandemic, I, I don't, it would, it would have been bad. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I guess that's probably true for, man. Yeah. I was thinking about we, for us, we, I mean, my wife was pregnant 
and I have a stepson who's 13, well, he's 13 now. What was he? He was, he was like 10, 11, 12. Mm-hmm. Um, we had two dogs. Uh, we had my stepson's father nearby. We had, I mean, we just had like a full house, like mm-hmm. kind of at all times. Um, so it was like every now and then we dreamed about the kind of isolation of our <laughs> younger friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're like, I wish I could have a moment alone. Yeah. But, but at the same time, it was, uh, quite bonding in some ways, you know? Um, how did you propose to Domino or did Domino propose to you? Well, um, there was a moment that was like a proposal, but I did, I kind of opened it up, you know, this is going to sound kind of obnoxious, I think, depending on, (laughs) I, 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 I didn't really propose because if you think about it, you know, if you're making a proposal, like what's that word? You know, you're, you're saying, will you marry me as, but really the, the question should be, what do you think about marriage? What does it mean to be married? Do we feel that we're ready for this? So it was romantic in the sense that I like filled an Airstream trailer, uh, on her mom's backyard property. I, I filled it with a bunch of roses, although not that many, not enough. Not, I imagined more when you say, (laughs) when you say the number that you think is a lot and then you see it, it's not as many as you'd think. You gotta just get some more. But you know, Christmas lights and all that, it was actually really beautiful. And, um, yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't like, as they say, pop the question, but it was more, it was more, and I did, you know, I, I had a, I had a ring, which by the way, you know, you think about this. I remember when I was getting the ring and I was like, I don't like that one of the first people I'm, who knows that I'm may, hopefully about to get engaged mm-hmm. is, is, is working a cash register. Like talk about capitalist, yeah. patriarchal, blah, blah, blah. Like it really hit me then. You know, I was like, that's not right. The first person who should know that I'm doing this, technically speaking, should be the person I want to get engaged to. Yeah. You know, and I, and, and I like buying the, all of it felt like such a, we're talking about norms and conventions. Like none of it felt, it felt good, but it didn't feel natural. Mm -hmm. And it didn't always feel the way, the good, the kind of good that I think it should. Like, and I say this now in the security of like, you know, having lived through the ups and downs and been married for a while. And like, we, you know, it's like in a way, like we're so good that I can, we can now look back and see all the, th- all those things that make you so nervous, mm-hmm. make you so scared in the beginning and certain points, you know, like, but I remember feeling so part of the reason I was so nervous leading up to that point was because I didn't feel as though I could talk to her about it. Cause I had to be all mysterious and romantic and, and, and propose, you know what I mean? Whereas you should be, you should be talking about it. Yeah. And then she's like an object that I'm like, all right, I've done all the figuring out. I'm ready. Mm-hmm. Will you? That's not, that's not, again, that's not like the grounds for a super stable well, or at least good and exciting relationship where there's like a quality, you know? And so yeah. that was, a, that was another moment where I was like, this, all of this just feels so like, it's not my nature to do it like this, but mm-hmm. I'm having to follow this friggin' guidebook. Who wrote it? Yeah. Who wrote it? Who did it? I think it was, I think it was <laughs> K Jeweler or something. Maybe not K. I don't know. There was one jewelry company that 
just created engagement rings. They were like, you got to get your girl a ring. And then it became like a thing I in like suppo- the 50s. Yeah, that must be true. Which is like yeah. so interesting to me. And it's also interesting because it's like it's a very big decision that involves two people. But one person has to go away and think about it on their own yeah. until they choose to include the second person. Yeah. My parents got engaged. I think I don't even know if my dad had a ring, but uh, I know he said to my mother, so do you want to do it? And she said, do what? He was like, I don't know. You want to get married? And she was like, well, can you ask me nicely? (laughs) So it was like a cute little conversation because my dad was the furthest from a romantic person. But yeah, I think it should be more. It shouldn't have to be a a thing. I think it could be more of a conversation. And I think that's nice. And then you could talk about it. It's like, do you want a proposal? What would you like? Yeah, right. I mean, I obviously romance is 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 a nice thing to have mystery surprise. Like, yeah, okay, but at the same time, like, what is in the foundation of the thing? What what's in the engine of the thing to really make it run and last and be good and be enjoyable? And I just don't feel like those things play as much of a role as we think. Partly because you know we see all these stories where it's nothing but mystery, surprise, and and romance. But then again, like these people, like Romeo and Juliet, die at the end. Mm-hmm. You know, in a way that's. By the way, I'm just thinking about it because someone was talking about. Uh, you know, we got the we got the the other Baz Luhrmann movie coming out now, Elvis, and so someone was mentioning his version of Romeo and Juliet, and mm-hmm. my stepson is reading reading Shakespeare in his in his class. And, and I, I, yeah, I was just, I've just, you know, revisiting that, that one. And it's such, that story has so many different levels to it because you have so many people who just kind of see the love story of it and like want that, you know? And it's like, guys, they, they both like commit suicide at the end. Yeah. It's a full blown tragedy. For so little reason. Yeah. For so little reason, (laughs) you know? Yeah. It's a, a miscommunication and then... And aren't they 15? I believe they're 15. They're you younger <laughs> than we think. They might have been like, maybe like, maybe it's like 13 and 16 or 14 Oof, and 16. Yeah. But they're like, I want to see a production with kids that age. <laughs> and I think we would all be like, what is yes. this? This is devastating. What is this? What? Yeah. <laughs> I'm devastated. What? What is this? Yeah. It's funny because when you watch it with adults, you're like, well, they're adults. They made a choice. But it's like, no, they were children. Yeah. A lot of love could be, I think, categorized under tragedy, which is sad. But also, I don't know, feelings are feelings. And uh, in therapy, I'm, I'm learning about how, like, uh, how to hold a space for my feelings. Because um, mm. my other therapist, she was like, feelings aren't facts. And I said that to my current therapist. And she's like, well, yeah, feelings might not be facts, but there is a world where you just hold some space and feel those feelings and know that it's not necessarily true, but like you can just, you know, feel it for a little bit until you can move on. And I was like, Ooh, I like that. Uh, Yeah. I think that, I think the balance between those things, I think because feelings aren't facts, you know, they, but they may as well be because Mm -hmm. you feel them and you can't ignore your feelings. That's, you know, I mean, that's actually the strange, beautiful irony of it, it, which all of our lives, whoever is able to really lie about their, to themselves about their feelings, like serial killers, maybe. Maybe. But even then, I think they kind of have like a a point where they're like, hmm, I don't feel Mm. great about killing, but I think I'm going to do it again. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> just one more time. Yeah, that's my, that's that's my character work for Joe. <laughs> just just right there. Okay, real quick, we got to take a break. Newly is a subscription clothing rental service that's all about helping you have fun and get creative with your style. Shift gears in your wardrobe without a complete and expensive overhaul. Dressy stuff, trendy going out clothes, casual tops and premium jeans, sweaters, outerwear, vacation fits, you name it. For just $98 a month, you get a choice of any six styles each month. Access to thousands of styles from more than 400 brands with inclusive sizing, fast, free shipping and returns, and professional cleaning in newly state-of-the-art laundering facility, plus the option to buy what you love. I like Newly a lot because sometimes I don't want to like own a sparkly thing because I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to wear it more than once. Also, I have a ton of sparkly things. And Newly is very good at like having a sparkly thing that I'll wear once and then I can send it right back. Newly is a great value at $98 a month for any six styles. But right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code DATEME20. Just go to newly.com, N U U L Y.com. That's Newly with two U's and enter the code DATEME20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y dot com. Newly with two U's with code DATEME20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. Spring is the best time to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, tap into your power, and build towards whatever you're looking for. Okay, Peloton can accommodate your schedule with a variety of class lengths to choose from. Even if you only have five minutes, there's a class to get your body moving, and I have to stress how important that is. Five minutes is better than no minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and mood. Move at your own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take the guesswork out of working out. So you can just jump right in, keeping your fitness journey fresh every day because that's what it is, a journey. And listen, Peloton has everything you need to get to where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, uh, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton is something for you. Ooh, the Peloton classes I like to do are strength training. I also like the yoga because um, I'm always trying to get more flexible um, because I love doing splits because I'm slutty. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at (laughs) OnePeloton.com. But really, though, it's kind of amazing how we forget, like, our feelings in a way are all we have like we our feelings completely eclipse facts Mm -hmm. regularly i mean regularly look at what's happening to our fill in the blank i don't even have to say the word Mm -hmm. (laughs) look at what's happening to fill in the blank (laughs) feelings (laughs) truly like feelings are not facts but feelings seem to eclipse them and i don't know i think as human beings we have to be a bit more honest about that like what does that mean that's that we have to we have to that means actually what your what your second therapist is saying mm-hmm. which is uh you have to give space to your feelings mm-hmm. and you know as an actor what i feel like i try to do um i have this 
really brilliant coach, uh, Harold Guskin, who, who, who passed and then kind of like in death passed the baton to his lifelong wife. And they, they were this incredible duo and this kind of anti-method that they practice is, oh. is like, you can't, you can't ever like, you know, you might think you're an actor. This is my inference. So this is not necessarily exactly what they would say, but you know, who do we think as actors, who, who, who do we as actors think we are? Some special breed of human who can lie about how they feel <laughs> just because you're playing a character. I don't believe that. Um, so to be honest, what I try to do is just be honest about how I feel as I have to say the thing right in the spot, wearing the clothes in front of the, you know, and it's like, if you can actually be emotionally present Mm -hmm. and honest about how you feel in the moment, that actually is always going to be very powerful, you know, no matter what. Mm -hmm. And if you're saying the thing you have to say, it's just going to seem like a cool choice. And so to me, I'm trying to practice what I preach, which is this, what we're talking about in terms of emotional health. It's like, you can't, I, I just, I just feel like so much of what's wrong in the world comes from people lying about how they feel. And it mm-hmm. really is even systemic. You know, it is profoundly systemic. It's in our, the infrastructures of our <laughs> like institutions from top down, bottom up, everything, you know, and it's just like, I don't know, people being more, and this is why I could never date. And this is why, thank God I don't have to anymore. <laughs> I'm sorry, Nicole. I'm sorry to you oh, that you have to do this. It's okay. It's my cross to bear. <laughs> you and how many billion others? So. so many people. It is interesting that, I mean, I find it genuinely very hard in the moment, unless I'm on a set, and unless I'm acting to say how I feel in the moment, like when I'm with a friend mm. or if I'm on a date or dating somebody and they've made me angry, my mm. go-to is to be like, no, I'm fine. I'm yeah. Don't worry about it. And yeah. then later be like, well, I mean, I was upset. And it's like, well, why don't you just tell me in the moment? And it's like, I don't know. I, yeah. I guess it's like, I, maybe I don't want to like make waves. But truly, like on a set, I have no problem advocating for myself being like, I don't feel safe doing that, this, really? that, That's and the amazing. other. But in life, I'm like, oh, I don't want to be a bother. And I have no idea why I'm like that. Oh, that's interesting. So I think that when I'm on set, I'm kind of, I'm learning how to advocate for myself. I mean, when you're, you know, I'm at a point where being number one on the call sheet and like, obviously there people want to make sure that I'm comfortable and happy, but even then there's such a stigma around people at the top being difficult that mm-hmm. I certainly, you know, don't want to be that either. I'm not naturally that anyway. And so, yeah, I, I actually have real trouble advocating for myself on set. Um, I do add things to it where I'm like, I'm not trying to be a bitch, but yeah. <laughs> here's the reasoning behind it. Is that okay? No, you, should. you hate me? You should. Um, no, you, no, you, I mean, <laughs> I, I think that's great. I think that's great. I mean, I am an advocate for you advocating for yourself. Oh, Ben, thank you so much. I didn't know this. Wait, are you in a band? Well, the band is not so current, but it's good music that I would encourage anyone to listen to. It's called Mother, spelled with a hipster X, (laughs) uh, because we had rights issues to the name Mother. There's Uh. so many other mothers. Uh, But yeah, M-O-T-H-X-R. You can find that wherever you get your podcasts. Ooh, Spotify? Yes, you can. And that's the only thing I could think of. I don't use Spotify. It's very hard for me. (laughs) Really? 
I use Apple Music and people are always like, ugh, Nicole. I just, okay, so is your phone in dark mode or is it in light mode? Do you know what I mean? Dark mode. See, dark I don't mode. like the dark mode. It doesn't give me joy. I like the, ah, the light brightness. So you just of, want the white background. <laughs> I guess so. That's basically, Spotify, Spotify always it. had the black background, right? Yeah, and it makes, it yeah. bums me out. It's too dark. Interesting, interesting. That's a good enough reason. I mean, really, what other, what other difference is there? No, that's it. Apple has the the white background, and I find it to be bright and yeah. poppy. That's nice. Yeah, it's a little bit about me. That says a lot about you. You should share. You should share <laughs> that on on a f- first or second date. I should. I should be like, "Do you like Spotify? I don't." And I'll be like, "Okay, <laughs> she's a little intense about this." <laughs> well, I don't it, share I it like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. I have a question. So Hmm. you and Cardi B had an interaction on Twitter. Was this an actual interaction or was this like a, like a press thingy? It was a Twitter action. No, it was real. It was real. In that sense, it was totally real. It was spontaneous. I'm trying to think of how it happened. Oh, there were some Barty gang members who, um, uh, that's what they're called by the way. Right. I'm not just making that up. Mm -hmm. They're the Barty gang. Barty gang. Like her fans. Yeah. Yeah. They, um, had, found some old clip of me on a press tour with Shay Mitchell in the Philippines mm-hmm. from 2019, I think. And, uh, and I was talking about how I don't really feel that comfortable on social media, but I can respect people who do have a more authentic, like kind of spontaneous relationship to it. And I, and I cited Cardi B as a reference. Mm-hmm. Cause I think particularly in 2019, she was in a sweet spot before she, I mean, she wasn't diamond then, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, and, uh, she was still huge, but there was something about the way she was on, on all her socials that was, I found very endearing in its mm-hmm. just directness, you know, as we, I guess, you know, so much of the world does. And I was just, I don't know, I was saying something about that. And, um, this clip went out to, it was just on Twitter and, it, and, and so this little clip, uh, I guess Cardi saw it because people were adding her and me or something like that. And then she just tweeted what she tweeted, which was something like, Oh my God, he knows who I am. I'm famous, famous. And, and, you know, of course me being who I am and she being who she is, I had my response, which was what it is, which was just, I dash, I mean, it was all genuine, mm-hmm. but that's all, you know, I mean, if you think about it, everybody made way more of it than it is. We've still never met in person. Um, we would like to. I hope one day you will. We've, we've tried to make it happen, but I guess it's just gonna, we're just gonna, it's up to the, it's up to fate now. Up to the universe. I, the reason why I asked, I was like, I thought it was just a cute, fun interaction. And then I was like, I hope it was real. Cause sometimes you yeah. see things and you're like, I oh, know, right? it I wasn't know. real. Um, yeah. Penn, I need to ask you about your podcast. I need to know more yes. about Pod Crushed. Well, um, it's it's it comes from me and my co-hosts' uh, co-fascination with this period of time that we call middle school, and for very different reasons, by the way. Like I would say, so my co-hosts Nava Kavlin and Sophia Ansari, um, they both actually are in some way former teachers. Uh, one of them was a middle school director, like a, like a vice principal slash director. And the other one was a fifth grade teacher, which is funneling right into middle school. Um, they, so they have a lot of like, they're very competent professional individuals. 
uh, Nava used to work at the re at the, at the UN as a researcher and a writer. And so, you know, just Mm -hmm. two people who don't come from media and which I liked a lot. And, you know, we, uh, we actually knew each other through the Baha'i community in, in Brooklyn, New York, where we were just, yeah. So I I am Baha'i and is the Baha'i faith is based on this body of writings and teachings um, that, uh, you know, you could call it an independent world religion, but I think its conception of religion is very different, uh, from what most of us say when we say religion, but, Mm -hmm. but, but, you know, core to the, to the entire teachings to the Baha'i teachings is the oneness of humanity. And so all around the world, basically in every locality, Brooklyn was where I became a Baha'i and found it and explored it, met other Baha'is is basically where, you know, all these community building activities, which, emanate from this essential teaching of the oneness of humanity. You know, what does it mean for people to become protagonists in their own community, regardless of where they are, regardless of who they are? Mm -hmm. What does that mean? And so there's this essential uh, age that we call the junior youth, which is like 11 to 14 or 12 to 15. And in America, that aligns with middle school. And the, the reason that this period of life is considered significant is, is it's kind of like, you know, what it means to be human that's when these powers and potentialities, these capacities are all finally really blossoming. You know, your, your sense of individuality, your sense of justice, your sense of selfhood, your sense of service to others, you know, your sense of, uh, just all these qualities that we call human before that age, they're not, you know, they exist, but they're not really that developed. And after that age, you know, depending on what you did in that period of time, it's like you might be configured one way or the other. So, so it's like, it's just a time where there's a unique window to really empower people that age. So I happened to, I had a junior youth group. I don't know. I don't think they at that point had a junior youth group, but anyway, the point is Nava Sophie and I years later were just like talking about this and, Mm -hmm. and the concept came out of that because you know, it's like, and Nava specifically, whose idea it was, like she was, it was really her baby before she brought it to us. I mean, she used to work at a middle school and she would see how, I mean, you know, as, as, as beautifully as we might imagine this period of life, you know, thinking of all the spiritual potential, this and that, at the end of the day, kids in middle school can, can seem bipolar, you know, Mm -hmm. because of all the things that are just coursing through them physically, you know, it's like, and so she just thought it was like, a hilarious time full of insane stories and that everybody must have them. So her idea was to have people send in real stories. And even the idea wasn't initially to have me narrate them, but then we realized that, Oh, that's something that I do already. Why don't I just narrate some of these stories? And Mm -hmm. then we can talk to guests about, about their stories and that time in their life. And it's so far the, 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 the sort of thesis that we have that this period of life is uniquely formative for everybody, uh, seems to hold true. Oh, it sounds fun. It sounds interesting. And yeah, I, I, I like listening to your voice. So maybe I'll <laughs> listen to it. I like you narrate very well. Thank you. That is, I do. I honestly, voiceover is, I really like it. I really enjoy it. It's fun. You did a, I think it was a TikTok where you like narrated what a girl was doing or something. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah. Oh boy, this is, <laughs> this is a nice genre. I like it. <laughs> Yeah. By the way, I think people think that I was doing that um, just off the cuff. I was not. I was reading a script, watching 
this, you know, it was like, it was like, it was like a Netflix press thing and it worked. Ah, see, okay. <laughs> I thought that was organic. There we go. Yeah. They know how to do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> well, Ben, we've come to the end. Thank you so much for doing this. You're truly delightful. And I ask all my guests this question. Uh, would you date me? Well, if I wasn't married, I certainly would. Wow. That's delightful. Thank you so much. Pen, do you have anything you want to promote besides your podcast? <sighs> oh, just just peace and goodwill on earth, you know? We need... <laughs> <laughs> That's actually a project I'm in. It's about the dissolution of society that's uh, coming out in 2024. Yeah, it's a a Netflix special. No. Um, Yeah, no, I got nothing else to promote. I got nothing else to promote. That would be very funny if you had said all that and you're like, actually, it drops on Netflix. I would be like, boy, oh boy, what a dream. You're nothing like I thought you were. When does the next season of you come out? You season four. Uh, it must be. So I'm in London right now shooting that and we're about halfway through. It should be out. I don't Of course, don't know the date. I would think that it will come out end of year, but no one can hold me to that. Okay. When you get to set on Tuesday, say to a producer, let's get Nicole Byer there. Let's hide her behind a tree and she'll go, Ooh, is that Joe? I don't know. <laughs> and then I'll never appear again. <laughs> I'll talk to them. I need, I, as I said, I need to learn to advocate for myself. So this will be a, a, the first step towards the first step to you advocating for yourself. Self advocacy. Like, this lady is, is, I met over the weekend really wants to be on the show. So can she come? I will pay for my own flight and I could be a local no, no, hire. No, don't, don't, don't say that on air. Don't say that on air. Don't do it. <laughs> I have a lot of points. I'll do it. I love Delta. Uh, thank you so much for doing this, Penn. Um, well, thank you for having me. Well, that's it for this episode of Oh, Why Won't You Date Me? If you liked it, you can subscribe, you can rate it, you can give me five stars on Apple Podcasts. If you write me something hitting on me, a nasty little come on uh, to Why Won't You Date Me podcast at gmail.com, I will read it aloud. This nice person said, hello, Nicole. I'd like to take you on a romantic candlelit dinner. Then we take a lovely stroll on the beach in the moonlight. I take you home kiss you on the cheek, then go home to jerk my veiny man meat in the shower. <laughs> Holy crap. Wow. Okay. <laughs> That's soft. Wow. <laughs> Bye-bye. Wow. Bye. <laughs> That's it for Why Won't You Date Me with me, Nicole Byer. Why Won't You Date Me is produced and engineered by... Oh, the sweetest woman I know, Marissa Melnick. It is executive produced by other wonderful people, Adam Sachs, Joanna Solotaroff, and Jeff Ross. Thanks for listening. I love you. Thank you so much. We'll be seeing you next Friday with a brand new episode. What a treat. What a dream. (laughs) This has been a Team Coco production. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific time, only on Netflix. If there's anything better than getting a few of your favorite things from McDonald's, it's getting a few of your favorite things from McDonald's for less. 
in the McDonald's app. Mm. Delicious. Order in the McDonald's app today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Right now, only in the app. Enjoy a breakfast sandwich for just $1, like a sausage McMuffin with egg. Offer valid one time per day from 429 to 512 24 at participating McDonald's. Must opt into rewards. 